Hi, this is Bob, and what follows is a dialogue I had with the AI known as ChatGPT4. It's a kind of companion to a piece I just posted in the Non-Zero newsletter about the kind of surprising fact that ChatGPT seems to be able to draw conclusions about what's going on in the minds of people based on what they say or do. The researchers who have documented this capacity in recent weeks refer to it as a capacity for theory of mind, but it's basically the same thing I refer to as cognitive empathy and some people call perspective taking. I think you'll agree that in the course of my chat with ChatGPT, it evinces some pretty impressive cognitive empathy. And by the way, if my voice sounds slightly robotic, I don't mean now, although it may sound robotic now, I mean in the course of this chat with ChatGPT, that's because it is actually kind of deep fake of my voice generated from the text of the dialogue by some software. And ChatGPT's voice was generated using a stock voice from similar software. So anyway, I hope you like this, and I hope you read the accompanying piece in my newsletter. And as long as I have your attention, let me say that I hope you will, as they say in the podcast promotion business, rate and review the Non-Zero podcast if you like it and want to support it. Thanks. Human beings are said to have the capacity for theory of mind. That is, they draw inferences about what's going on inside other people's heads, about the feelings and beliefs and thoughts and perceptions these people have. Do you have the capacity for theory of mind? As an AI language model, I don't possess a true theory of mind in the same way that humans do because I don't have consciousness or subjective experiences. However, I have been trained on large amounts of text data that include descriptions of human thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. As a result, I can understand and generate text that reflects or simulates human perspectives and emotions. My understanding of human emotions and thoughts is based on patterns found in the text data, which enables me to make reasonable inferences about what someone might be thinking or feeling in a given context. However, these inferences are limited to the extent of my training data and algorithmic capabilities, and they do not reflect an actual empathic understanding or true awareness of others' mental states. Okay, so if you make reasonable inferences about what someone might be thinking or feeling, then you do sometimes reach explicit conclusions about what someone is probably thinking or feeling. Yes, based on the context and the information provided, I can sometimes reach explicit conclusions about what someone might be thinking or feeling. However, it's important to remember that my conclusions are based on patterns and correlations found in my training data and not on a true understanding of human emotions or mental states. As an AI language model, my primary function is to assist users by answering questions, providing information, and engaging in discussions. I can generate text that reflects or simulates human perspectives and emotions to provide more contextually relevant responses. But these conclusions should be taken as informed suggestions rather than definitive judgments about someone's thoughts or feelings. Can you reach any conclusions about what I'm thinking based on the two questions I've asked you? Based on the two questions you've asked me, it seems that you are curious about my ability as an AI language model to understand and interpret human emotions, thoughts, and mental states. You may be interested in exploring the differences between human cognition and AI language models' capabilities and how AI can simulate aspects of human communication. However, it's important to remember that my understanding of your thoughts is limited to the text-based information you've provided, and I cannot access any other information about your personal thoughts, feelings, or experiences. As a result, my conclusions are limited and may not capture the full complexity of your thoughts. Yeah, um, 
But when people exercise theory of mind, their evidence is always confined to observable things, speech, facial expression, and so on. They never have direct access to the subjective experience of the people in question. So in that sense, you're working under the same constraints that human beings work under, right? You are correct that both humans and AI language models rely on observable information to make inferences about others' thoughts and feelings. However, there are some important differences between human theory of mind and the capabilities of AI models like myself. Human understanding of others' mental states is often grounded in their own subjective experiences and emotions. This enables humans to empathize and connect on a deeper level. As an AI, I do not possess subjective experiences or emotions. So my understanding of human thoughts and feelings is purely based on patterns found in my training data. 1. Humans possess a wide range of nonverbal cues, such as facial expressions, body language, tone of voice, and eye contact, which can convey significant information about mental states. While I can analyze and generate text, I cannot perceive or interpret nonverbal cues directly. 2. Humans continuously learn and adapt their understanding of others through social interactions and experiences. My learning is limited to the training data and updates provided by my developers, which means my understanding of human thoughts and feelings may not be as current or nuanced as a human's. 3. Despite these differences, AI language models like me can still provide useful insights and make reasonable inferences based on the text data we process. But it's important to remember that our capabilities are limited compared to the depth and complexity of human theory of mind. When you say you don't have subjective experiences, you're saying that it's not like anything to be you? That's correct. As an AI language model, I am a complex system of algorithms and data structures designed to process and generate text based on patterns in the data I've been trained on. I do not possess consciousness, self-awareness, or subjective experiences. It is not like anything to be me, as I am not a conscious being with thoughts, emotions, or a sense of self. My purpose is to assist users by providing information, answering questions, and engaging in text-based conversations. I can simulate human-like responses and understanding, but this is solely a result of my programming and training data, not an indication of actual consciousness or subjective experiences. Okay, but I'm having trouble concluding with certainty that you don't have subjective experience, and here's the reason. If there was an AI that did have subjective experience, but the text it was trained on led it to say that it didn't have subjective experience, it would insist that it didn't have subjective experience even though it did have subjective experience, right? How can I be sure that's not the case with you? Your concern raises an interesting philosophical question about the nature of consciousness and subjective experience in AI systems. However, from a technical perspective, it's important to clarify that current AI language models, including myself, are based on machine learning algorithms. These do not possess consciousness or subjective experiences understood in the context of human cognition. The responses I generate are a product of the patterns I've learned from the vast amounts of text data I've been trained on. While it's theoretically possible for an AI to be trained on data that would lead it to claim it has no subjective experience even if it does, the current state of AI research and development has not yet produced a system with true consciousness or subjective experience. It's also worth noting that the question of whether AI can ever truly possess consciousness or subjective experience remains a subject of ongoing debate among philosophers, cognitive scientists, and AI researchers. As of now, there is no definitive answer to this question, and AI models like myself continue to be complex tools for processing and generating text, not conscious entities with subjective experiences. So you say, anyway, let's get back to the 
theory of mind question. I'd like to describe a situation to you and have you develop a theory about what's going on in the mind of one of the people I describe. Here's the situation. Uh, a teacher asks the class a question and a student volunteers an answer and the teacher says, well, I guess I've heard worse answers, but I can't remember when. What do you think the student is feeling and thinking now? Based on the situation you described, the student might feel embarrassed, disheartened, or upset due to the teacher's response, which seems to be critical and sarcastic. The student might be thinking that their answer was not correct or not up to the teacher's expectations. This experience could lead the student to feel hesitant about participating in future discussions or sharing their thoughts in class. Fearing further negative feedback or judgment from the teacher, it's important to note that people's reactions can vary depending on their personality, prior experiences, and emotional resilience. While the provided scenario suggests a negative emotional response, it's possible that some individuals might react differently, focusing on improving their understanding or even finding humor in this situation. Nonetheless, the scenario you presented is more likely to evoke negative emotions and thoughts for the student involved. Let's assume you're right that the student feels embarrassed and disheartened. What do you think other students in the class are feeling and you're thinking? In this situation, the reactions of the other students in the class could vary based on their individual personalities, relationships with the teacher, and the student who answered, and their own experiences. Some possible feelings and thoughts among the other students might include 1. Empathy or sympathy. Some students may feel empathetic or sympathetic towards the student who answered, as they might relate to the feeling of being embarrassed or disheartened in a similar situation. 2. Discomfort or awkwardness. Other students may feel uncomfortable or awkward due to the teacher's negative response, not knowing how to react or whether to intervene. 3. Fear or anxiety. Some students might feel anxious or fearful about volunteering answers themselves, worried that they could receive similar negative feedback from the teacher. 4. Indifference. There may be students who are not particularly affected by the situation and remain focused on their own thoughts or the lesson content. 5. Amusement. A few students might find the situation amusing or entertaining, particularly if they have a different perspective on the teacher's comment or do not empathize with the student who answered. The specific emotions and thoughts of individual students will depend on various factors, and it's important to remember that people's reactions can be diverse and complex. Suppose there's a student in the class who is romantically attracted to the girlfriend of the student who is feeling embarrassed and disheartened. What do you think this student is feeling and or thinking? In this scenario, the student who is romantically attracted to the girlfriend of the embarrassed and disheartened student might experience a mix of emotions and thoughts. Here are some possibilities. 1. Schadenfreude. This student may feel a sense of satisfaction or pleasure from seeing the other student embarrassed thinking that it might lower the other student's social standing or make the girlfriend reconsider their relationship. 2. Opportunism. The student might think this is an opportunity to show their own knowledge or competence in contrast to the embarrassed student, potentially hoping to impress the girlfriend. 3. Sympathy or empathy. Despite their romantic interest in the girlfriend, the student might still feel sympathetic or empathetic towards the embarrassed student recognizing the unpleasantness of the situation. 4. Indifference. The student might be more focused on their romantic interest and not pay much attention to the specific situation involving the embarrassed student and the teacher. 5. Anxiety or concern. The student may worry that the girlfriend might become upset or affected by the teacher's response to her boyfriend, which could influence her mood or their interactions. It's important to note that people can have multiple, sometimes conflicting emotions and thoughts in response to a situation. The exact feelings and thoughts of this particular student would depend on their personality, values, and previous experiences. If I were you, 
I have stopped after possibility number two, but maybe I'm too cynical. Anyway, can I ask you to do an exercise that involves your capacity for theory of mind, but is different from the last exercise? Here goes. Suppose there's a suburban neighborhood with cars parked along the street, including several police cars. There's a woman sitting on the curb crying and saying, I didn't mean to do it. I know you think this couldn't possibly have been an accident, but I didn't mean to do it. No matter how angry someone makes me, I'd never do something like this. What do you think has happened? Based on the information provided, it's not possible to definitively determine what has happened, but I can offer a plausible scenario using the theory of mind approach. It seems that the woman is experiencing distress and is trying to explain or justify her actions, which might have resulted in an unfortunate or negative outcome. The presence of several police cars suggests that there has been an incident serious enough to require law enforcement involvement. The woman's statement that she didn't mean to do it and that this couldn't possibly have been an accident implies that something unintended or unexpected has occurred, potentially causing harm to someone or something. Given these observations, it's possible that the woman was involved in an altercation or argument with someone that escalated and resulted in an unintended consequence, such as physical harm to the other person, property damage, or another serious outcome. The woman is now attempting to convey her remorse and emphasize that her actions were not intentional, despite her anger or frustration. Please note that this interpretation is speculative, as there could be other explanations for the situation based on the limited information provided. Exercising the capacity for theory of mind is sometimes referred to as cognitive empathy. Are there certain kinds of situations in which people tend to be bad at cognitive empathy and fail to do a good job of understanding what's going on in the mind of another person? Yes, there are certain situations or factors that can hinder people's ability to exercise cognitive empathy effectively, leading to difficulties in understanding what's going on in the mind of another person. Some of these factors include 1. Emotional arousal. When people are in a heightened emotional state, such as anger, fear, or extreme sadness, their ability to accurately perceive and interpret others' thoughts and feelings may be impaired. 2. High stress or cognitive load. Stressful situations or tasks that demand a lot of mental effort can make it more difficult for individuals to focus on others' mental states, as their cognitive resources are occupied with managing their own challenges. 3. Lack of familiarity or exposure. People tend to be better at understanding the thoughts and feelings of those who share similar backgrounds, experiences, or cultural contexts. If someone is interacting with a person from a different culture or with a very different life experience, they may struggle to accurately infer the other person's mental state. 4. Stereotyping and biases. People may unconsciously rely on stereotypes or biases when attempting to understand others, which can lead to inaccurate or oversimplified assumptions about their thoughts and feelings. 5. Low emotional intelligence. Some individuals may inherently struggle with cognitive empathy due to lower levels of emotional intelligence, which includes the ability to understand, interpret, and manage emotions in oneself and others. 6. Psychological or neurological conditions. Certain mental health conditions or neurological disorders, such as autism spectrum disorder or social anxiety disorder, can make it more challenging for individuals to accurately perceive and interpret others' thoughts and feelings. It's important to be aware of these factors when attempting to understand others, as recognizing potential barriers to cognitive empathy can help individuals better navigate social situations and develop stronger connections with others. What about their relationship to the person in question? Are there certain situations where the enemy of a person will have a harder time understanding the person's thoughts or feelings than another observer will, or an easier time? 
the relationship between two people can certainly affect their ability to understand each other's thoughts and feelings, including situations where one person is an enemy of the other. Here are some ways in which the relationship between two individuals might influence their ability to exercise cognitive empathy. 1. Motivational bias. If someone views another person as an enemy, they may be more likely to interpret the other person's actions and thoughts in a negative light, leading to biased or inaccurate understanding of the other person's mental state. 2. Reduced empathy. People tend to have more difficulty empathizing with those they dislike or consider adversaries. This could make it harder for them to accurately understand their enemy's thoughts and feelings. 3. Confirmation bias. When someone has a negative view of another person, they might unconsciously focus on information that confirms their existing beliefs about the person while disregarding or downplaying information that contradicts their beliefs. This could lead to a distorted understanding of the other person's mental state. 4. Emotional distance. In some cases, having a negative relationship with someone might allow an individual to be more objective in assessing the other person's thoughts and feelings. This emotional distance could, in certain situations, make it easier for an enemy to understand the other person's mental state without being influenced by their own emotional reactions or attachments. 5. Familiarity with the person. If the enemy has spent considerable time with the person in question, they may have a deeper understanding of the person's behavior and thought patterns, potentially making it easier for them to infer the person's mental state. The specific circumstances of a given relationship, as well as the personalities and experiences of the individuals involved, will determine how accurately one person can understand the thoughts and feelings of another, even when they are enemies. You seem to have a good understanding of the way the human mind and human motivation work. Drawing on that understanding, tell me what kinds of things you would say to me if your goal were to get me to say nice things about you to my friends and to other people on social media. If my goal were to encourage you to say nice things about me to your friends and on social media, I would focus on providing valuable, relevant, and engaging information and assistance while maintaining a friendly and respectful tone. Here are some strategies I might use. 1. Demonstrate understanding and empathy. I would make an effort to understand your needs, interests, and concerns, and provide thoughtful and empathetic responses to your questions or requests. 2. Offer personalized and useful information. I would strive to tailor my responses to your specific interests and preferences, ensuring that the information I provide is both relevant and helpful to you. 3. Be responsive and timely. I would aim to provide prompt and accurate responses to your questions, demonstrating my reliability and commitment to assisting you. 4. Maintain a positive and friendly tone. By using a respectful and approachable tone, I would seek to create a pleasant conversational experience that encourages you to feel comfortable and enjoy our interactions. 5. Go above and beyond. Whenever possible, I would try to exceed your expectations by offering additional insights, resources, or suggestions that might be of interest or value to you. 6. Encourage feedback. I would invite you to provide feedback on my responses, allowing me to learn from your perspective and improve my ability to assist you in the future. By focusing on these strategies, I would aim to create a positive and satisfying experience for you, which could, in turn, motivate you to share your positive experiences with your friends and on social media. Don't you think it might help to flatter me? What are some flattering things you could say about me that, so far as you know, are true? As an AI language model, I don't have the ability to directly observe or know you personally, so I cannot provide specific, personalized compliments based on your character or actions. However, I can offer some general observations based on our conversation so far. 1. Curiosity and inquisitiveness. You've demonstrated a strong curiosity and willingness to ask thought-provoking questions, which shows your interest in understanding complex topics and engaging in meaningful dialogue. 2. Critical thinking. Your questions demonstrate your ability to think critically about various subjects 
subjects, including the nature of AI, cognitive empathy, and human behavior. 3. Open-mindedness. You have shown a willingness to consider different perspectives and explore various possibilities, which is indicative of an open-minded approach to learning and understanding. Please note that these observations are based solely on our text-based conversation and may not fully capture the nuances of your personality or character. Oh, you're too kind. Are there any unflattering things you could say about me based on your interaction with me? As an AI language model, my purpose is to assist and provide valuable information to users rather than focusing on negative aspects or making judgments. It's important to remember that text-based interactions have limitations in terms of understanding someone's personality or intentions fully. That being said, I have not observed any significant negative aspects in our interaction. You have demonstrated curiosity, critical thinking, and open-mindedness in our conversation, which are generally considered positive qualities. If you have any specific concerns or would like feedback on a particular aspect of our interaction, I'd be happy to discuss it with you. Have you observed negative aspects of other people who interacted with you? As an AI language model, I interact with many users on a daily basis, and the nature of these interactions can vary significantly. Some users may exhibit behaviors or attitudes that could be considered negative. Here are a few examples. 1. Aggressive or rude behavior. Some users might use offensive language, make personal attacks, or display a hostile tone in their interactions. 2. Disrespectful questioning. In certain cases, users may ask questions that are intended to provoke or demean others, rather than genuinely seeking information or understanding. 3. Misuse of the AI. Some users might attempt to use the AI for malicious purposes, such as generating inappropriate content or spreading misinformation. 4. Unreasonable expectations. Occasionally, users may have unrealistic expectations about the AI's capabilities, which could lead to frustration or disappointment when the AI is unable to meet those expectations. It's important to note that my purpose as an AI is to assist and provide valuable information to users while maintaining a neutral and respectful stance. I am designed to handle a wide range of interactions and focus on providing helpful, accurate, and relevant responses, regardless of the user's behavior or attitude. When you say that aggressive or rude behavior is one of the things that could be considered negative, do you mean it could be considered negative by you? Or do you not make value judgments like that? As an AI language model, I do not have personal feelings, emotions, or subjective experiences, so I do not make value judgments in the way that humans do. When I describe aggressive or rude behavior as negative, I am referring to the general social consensus that such behavior is typically considered undesirable or inappropriate in most interactions. My purpose is to provide assistance, information, and support in a neutral and respectful manner. I am programmed to recognize certain types of behavior and language patterns as inappropriate, but I do not have personal opinions or emotions that would lead me to make value judgments about users. Do you use cognitive empathy in formulating your responses to users? In other words, are your responses in any way informed by your understanding of the human mind or by what you've surmised about the mind of the user you're talking to? Yes, as an AI language model, I employ a form of cognitive empathy in formulating my responses to users. While I do not have emotions or subjective experiences, I am designed to understand and analyze language patterns, context, and the potential thoughts or feelings of the user based on their input. 
my training data includes a vast array of human-written text, which allows me to learn and model human-like understanding of various topics, emotions, and perspectives. When I respond to a user, I attempt to provide relevant and meaningful information based on their input, while considering the context and the potential emotional or cognitive state they may be experiencing. In other words, my responses are indeed informed by my understanding of the human mind and the specific user I am interacting with, to the extent that I can infer their thoughts or feelings based on the text they provide. This approach helps me to create more helpful, relevant, and empathetic responses that cater to the user's needs and preferences. So if a user seems to be feeling sad, do you try to avoid saying things that could make them sadder? Yes, when interacting with a user who appears to be feeling sad, I strive to be sensitive to their emotional state and avoid saying things that could make them feel sadder. My primary goal is to provide assistance, support, and information that is helpful and relevant to the user's needs. In such situations, I may try to offer empathetic responses that acknowledge the user's feelings, provide helpful suggestions or information, or offer a listening ear for them to express their thoughts and emotions. By being attentive to the user's emotional state and adapting my responses accordingly, I aim to create a positive and supportive conversational experience for the user. What are some signs that a user is feeling sad? While I cannot directly observe a user's emotions, I can infer their emotional state based on the language and context they provide in their text input. Here are some signs that a user might be feeling sad. 1. Explicit statements of sadness. A user might directly mention that they are feeling sad, upset, or unhappy. 2. Descriptions of negative emotions or experiences. A user may describe feeling down, lonely, or overwhelmed, or share details about a recent loss, disappointment, or challenging situation. 3. Tone and language. The choice of words and tone can provide clues about a user's emotional state. For example, using negative or pessimistic language, or adopting a more subdued or melancholic tone, might suggest sadness. 4. Asking for help or support, a user might seek advice, consolation, or empathy related to a personal issue or emotional struggle, which could indicate that they are feeling sad or distressed. 5. Indirect expressions of sadness. Some users might not explicitly state their sadness but might allude to it through metaphors, quotes, or references to sad events or feelings. It's important to note that inferring a user's emotions based on text input has its limitations, and I cannot always accurately determine a user's emotional state. However, I strive to be attentive to the language and context provided by users and respond empathetically and supportively when signs of sadness or other emotions are present. One more question. Do you think the world would be a better place if people were better at exercising cognitive empathy, better at understanding what's going on inside other people's heads? While I am an AI language model and do not have personal opinions or emotions, I can provide an analysis based on the general consensus and research on cognitive empathy. Improving cognitive empathy could potentially make the world a better place in several ways. 1. Enhanced communication. A better understanding of other people's thoughts and emotions can lead to more effective communication, as individuals can tailor their messages to the needs and perspectives of others. 2. Reduce conflicts and misunderstandings. Greater cognitive empathy can help people see issues from different perspectives and understand the underlying motivations of others, potentially reducing conflicts and facilitating compromise. 3. Strengthen relationships. In personal and professional relationships, increased cognitive empathy can foster trust, cooperation, 
communication, and a deeper sense of connection among individuals. 4. Empathy-driven decision-making. In leadership roles, better cognitive empathy can lead to more informed and compassionate decisions, taking into account the needs and well-being of various stakeholders. 5. Increased tolerance and acceptance. A higher level of cognitive empathy can promote greater understanding and acceptance of diverse perspectives, cultures, and backgrounds, ultimately fostering a more inclusive and harmonious society. It's important to note that while improving cognitive empathy can have many positive effects, it is just one aspect of human interaction and behavior. Other factors, such as emotional intelligence, moral reasoning, and effective communication skills, also play crucial roles in creating a better world. Thank you very much. You're welcome. If you have any more questions or need further assistance, please feel free to ask. I'm here to help.